Welcome to the MS Dev Show, episode number 82. This week, we invite Brandon Martinez to join us while we discuss Connect 2015 announcements, including VS Code extensions, ASP.NET 5 release candidate, and Azure. This episode of the MS Dev Show is brought to you by Infragistics. Their developer toolkits provide world-class controls targeting Windows, Web, iOS, Android, Xamarin Forms, and more. Whether you're an individual developer or part of an enterprise team, they have something for you. Check out the latest today at infragistics.com. Hey, this is Jason. And this is Carl. And this is Brandon. Wait, wait, wait. What's going on? Oh, hey, guys. <laughs> hey, Brandon. Longtime friend of the show, Brandon. How's it going? It's going good. So we invited you on last minute because we couldn't uh, get Scott Goo or Scott Hanselman or Sacha on. Apparently, they were doing something this week. Yeah, they wanted to be on, but the scheduling didn't work out or I don't know, some excuse, right? So, so we said, well, Brandon will come on. Well, luckily I was available because I was supposed to be hanging out with those guys and it fell through. So, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what happened there. Okay, well, thank you for joining us, Brandon. To, uh, we're going to talk about a whole bunch of cool Visual Studio Connect, or is it just VS Connect? I don't even know what the event is called. Connect. Connect. It's just called Connect, Connect, Connect 2015. Right? Connect 2015. I really know what's going on here. Okay, Carl, so what do we have for feedback? So uh, during the Connect event, uh, Ed Gillett, uh, responded to us on Twitter. I had not responded. He mentioned us. He said, yes, Donovan Brown, I shall VSTS all the things. He <laughs> must have been desperate to tell us all this on MS Dev Show months ago. Hashtag Connect 2015. Yeah. So I do want to point something out because a lot of people were you know, talking about how Hanselman, he did a good demo. And he did do a good demo. I'm not saying he didn't. But Donovan Brown, uh, a former guest of the show, and I'm sure we're going to have him on again. He did an awesome job. Did you watch that, Carl? Yeah, I, when he I didn't catch much of of it live, but I actually caught his live, and he's, is he just did a really good job, amazing yeah. job, amazing job. So, what does Ed get? He gets the Infragistics Ultimate License, valued at two thousand dollars. So that's pretty awesome. And if you would like to potentially win that too, mention us on Facebook, iTunes, Stitcher, our website, or on Twitter, like Ed did. And uh, every time you do that, you have a chance of winning the Infragistics Ultimate License, and uh, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, plus we just want to hear from you. Yeah, Jason gets lonely. Yeah. Well, you know, honestly, like if all the feedback stopped, we'd probably be like, um, okay, let's just stop doing the show. Uh, okay, <laughs> news. What do we got for news this week? Uh, the first one, I was actually really <laughs> shocked. So apparently in France, there is a little bit of chaos as an airport, uh, it went down. and It, it must be up- running Windows XP, right, Carl? No, they weren't. The, the traffic control PCs were still running Windows 3.1. Oh, I was supposed to then say 95, and then you were supposed to say 3.1. No, Windows 3.1. <laughs> 3.1. What? What is the? When did that come out? Um, very early 90s. What? 92. 90. <laughs> okay. This is this 91? is absolute insanity. So they were running Windows 3.1 for the air traffic control system. I think so it's been had, out of support for a while. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think in, unless Microsoft just forgot, like, you know, well, it's stable, the policy was, so. yeah, we won't support XP, um, but, you know, they forgot to mention that 3.1 wasn't supported. So holy cow, shame on you. Like if any, if any listener is still running 3.1, um, you should consider upgrading. <laughs> there are a lot of new features it's, in every version that you should consider. It's funny. I, I literally just dug out my Commodore 128 and I was going to start playing yeah. around with it. It's like way predates even 3.1. Yeah. And it's uh, it'll be interesting too. I mean, uh, hopefully there's no like capacitor issues on the board or anything. I have not powered it up yet. I, yeah. I don't even know what to expect. Well, Smoke, maybe. For you. <laughs> uh, okay, emoji cheat sheet. Yeah, so if you go to emoji-cheat-sheet.com, 
you'll get to this place that pretty much has all of the emoji out there. And it shows like a picture, plus the little short code that you would normally have to type in in the various places. And if that's not cool enough, there's a couple other things. It kind of shows at the top all the places where all of the emoji on the page is accepted. And it's a pretty good list, including GitHub and Slack and Bitbucket and all those other places. Oh, they don't have the top, also, also, yeah, that's a custom one. If you click on it and you have a modern browser, it actually copies that emoji into your clipboard. So if you want to see one and you just click on it, you can actually just click on it and paste into your your browser application that you're using elsewhere. Oh, cool. I will now only speak emoji on Slack. Actually, if you look at the bottom, it has all the sounds that work in Campfire. That was the greatest part of Campfire. These don't work in Slack. I've tried. (laughs) (laughs) Especially the, uh, what was that guy? The... No, 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 no. <laughs> Our tra-la-la-la-la. Oh, that guy. <laughs> that Russian guy. Yeah, that, I pretty much killed Campfire because <laughs> I just kept playing that all day. Uh, okay, uh, Dockercraft, what is this? So this is a GitHub project that will let you uh, monitor and uh, visualize and manage your Docker containers from within Minecraft. I've always Think wanted about that. to do that. What's cool is that he's got an animated GIF that shows like, how it works. It shows, you know, your, the Docker container number and like the <laughs> usage it's at. And it shows like using your Minecraft tools, to, like start and stop with like little switches on there and make new ones. It, it's, it's pretty crazy, but so, so this is, if you, if you rewind back to the eighties to any of those like corny movies, um, this is what they thought the future was going to look like, right? <laughs> You'd be in this like pixelated universe where you would be like manipulating these servers and flying around. So we're just realizing that dream. Yeah, it's it, it's kind of cool, I think. <laughs> so this is what uh, what Carl will be doing all the time now. Okay, so let's get to Connect 2015. So this is a um, it was an online event. You know, there was tons and tons of videos that were streamed, and and they you can go back and watch everything. I actually was. Busy when they were doing the live stream, unfortunately. Otherwise, I probably would have been putting some tweets out there. But uh, you can go back and, and watch all these. So I've been watching select pieces of this. And uh, what we're going to do in the show notes is we'll have a couple links to uh, you know people who have gone through and sort of summarized some of the announcements and have links and things like that. Because there's kind of three main uh, summaries. There's like a Visual Studio page that talks about all the different announcements. Uh, Scott Hanselman had a good summary. And then also Jerry Nixon had a, a good summary as well and, and some insight into each of these as well. He had some really good, you know, I, I don't know what to call it other than insight. He had, you know, some extra information on, on a lot of these different items, which was, I found really valuable. So let's just jump into this list. So first, Visual Studio Code, which I love. I love Visual Studio Code. I use Visual Studio Code 20 times more than I use big visual studio. I'm kind of rare that way, but, um, that's the case for me. Uh, so let's see, it went open source, which is really cool. And and once again, they open sourced it live. And, uh, as they did that, like I went into my browser and went, you know, github.com slash Microsoft slash, uh, VS code. And I saw like, by the time I got there, five people had already forked it. (laughs) <laughs> they had already clicked the fork. Button, I thought you were right? going to say, say like issued pull requests. I'm like, geez, how do these people do it? <laughs> well, that's probably be insane. There's but probably still. like 300 PRs out there. And actually I, go ahead, Carl. And then I refreshed the browser and it was already up to like 14. So I'm like, wow, people are really stoked 
about yeah, getting access to this. Yeah, it's funny that they fork it and they, do they even like know what they're going to do with it yet? I, I guess that's okay because I, I think I went out and started it right away. Um, so that's pretty cool because um, I, I guess one thing, you know, wh- one of my tips is that, you know, I go out there and and there's there's a lot of different projects where I, I look at the readmes and I see typos or um, I'm reading instructions and they're missing a step or the instructions aren't clear. And that's because, you know, whenever you go out and you create like installation instructions for something like you're the expert. So you, you, there's things that you don't even think of. So my tip to all of our listeners is to just, whenever you're out there, if you see anything that's, you know, um, it is wrong instead of reporting it, just fix it and issue a pull request. So that is one of the nice things I think about having, um, all of these projects be open source. So if you see, you know, a bug in VS code, um, issue a PR so that they can evaluate it. You know, you might not understand the full scope of the problem, but you can at least say, Hey, this is a potentially a solution, but just in the, you know, just general, you know, prompts and things like that and, and documentation and all of that, take a look at that and issue those pull requests. Don't, don't complain about it, fix it. Um, so what else we got in visual studio code extension support? Yeah. So, so you may have noticed that the previous episode went live in the middle of connect. Yeah. And that was because of this. So we had David Wilson on talking about the PowerShell extension for VS code and we couldn't release that episode until this went live. So <laughs> yeah, it was funny. Cause I, you know, he mentioned that you install it as an extension and I couldn't, you know, I didn't want to ask him about it anymore just because of the the timing and, and all that. Cause we were recording it before the event. So like right after I was like, is extension support coming out tomorrow? Yes, it is. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, we knew about that one ahead of time. And, you know, honestly, like everybody knew it was coming at some point. It was, it wasn't really a matter of if it was a matter of when. So there's a marketplace out there and I went out there, there's already some good extensions out there. So my first picks are, um, one is TS lint, or I guess whatever language you're using, go out and get the linter of choice. So if you're doing JavaScript, grab JS lint, and what's cool about that is you get the linting like right in line. And if you're not familiar with linters, it's to, you know, sort of do some validation or some sort of code sniffing and tell you if something looks wrong. So with uh, with TypeScript, the linter is a little crazy. I mean, it complains about white space and things like that. I, I turn quite a bit of those things off, off, but it will tell you about things like, you know, variables that you're not using or, you know, those types of things. So I actually, and you can look at the commit, commit history on my GitHub account, I got this, I think I installed this the day of connect and, uh, I went through and I fixed, uh, I don't know about a dozen issues in my, um, Azure resource manager visualizer project. So I was missing semicolons in some places. Like I had a whole bunch of actual like TypeScript issues that the linter picked up for me. So I'm already getting value out of this thing. I've also installed the spelling and grammar extension. So whenever you're doing markdown, you actually get, um, you know, um, a dictionary in there and it will, um, you know, find uh, typos in there, which is pretty cool. And then the, the third one that I've picked up. So this is just so far, uh, the third one is open in GitHub. So you can be sitting in your code and you can hit a key combination. I, I don't recall what that is now, but you hit the, uh, open in GitHub or you hit the certain key combination. It will actually go to that line in that file out on GitHub, which is pretty cool. So if you need to sort of jump back and forth, it makes that really easy. Have you guys uh, looked at the extensions yet? Yeah. And uh, I've also installed a few themes as well. So if you just want to just change how it looks. Yeah. I saw that, that there's themes in there. Yeah. That, that's a pretty cool thing to do as well. Okay. So what, what's the, what's the best theme? 
Uh, I don't know about best. I haven't had a chance to check them all. And I've <laughs> noticed that there's like a ton more now than there were last time. I mean, yeah, people. It, it looks like there's already. like 30, 30 different themes. Yeah. The, um, in fact, I just, I don't, it's not in here, but I, yeah, I saw one. I just saw one recently that got added that I looked at as well. So Brandon, have you written any extensions yet? Oh no, not quite. Come on, man. What do you, what are you doing? I know. Just sitting around, just doing nothing. I'm totally slacking on this. <laughs> um, no, but I, I have been poking around in the marketplace today. Um, yeah. just, uh, as, as simple as some of these are, it just, it makes your life so much easier. Like the one I've been uh, looking at, uh, using today was yo. And yeah. just with like ASP.NET five and a lot of the node stuff and like a lot of the angular projects, having your generator just right there in your code editor is just fantastic. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to playing around with that. Uh, and it also means that your extensions can themselves have extensions because Yo is just a portal to, you know, endless possibilities. So you can kind of yeah. indirectly extend through that. That's a good point. Yeah. Yo is pretty cool for, for scaffolding things. Uh, okay. What else have we got in here? Support for new languages. Of course I didn't list them. I think Python is one of them. Is that right? Or am I just making that up? PHP? I don't know. I, I'm probably making this up. It has support for new languages though, <laughs> whatever they are. You guys will search for that while I'm talking. Um, and then what was cool is they had, uh, they actually talked to the Angular 2 team because they're actually developing Angular 2 um, at Google using VS Code. Um, so I thought that that was uh, pretty cool. They, they made this comment, and I, I, I guess I don't understand the context, but the girl from uh, Google said 45% of Angular users are using TypeScript. Um, so I don't know if that was Angular 2, which would make sense. Um, it's hard to imagine that that's all of Angular because there's a ton of Angular out there, right? Yeah, there's a lot. And I would suspect that like 95% of that is just JavaScript. Yeah, it's got to be Angular 2. I can't yeah, see must be. Angular 1 doing that. Yeah, so I don't know if I if, if 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 she you know forgot to say that or if it was, I might just not have heard the, the number two in there. Um, anything else you guys want to talk about in Visual Studio Code? I think the extensions is just huge, 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 huge. That's what's going to turn this thing into just so powerful. It's just going to be so powerful. Okay. Uh, .NET. Who likes .NET? You guys like .NET? It's, it's awesome. A, yeah, it's I all right. Your .NET. <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> Take it or leave it. <laughs> .NET is awesome. Um, I've just been more into TypeScript lately, but uh, but I still, you know, I just feel right at home in .NET. Uh, let's see. So ASP.NET 5 RC, uh, RC1 is out um, with the .NET Core, and it has a Go Live license, and that's so, a Go Live license on all platforms too. Go so ahead, can you explain what Go Live license is? Because I've seen a bunch of people have questions about this on Twitter. I just want to make sure everybody understands what that means. Well, I am not a lawyer, nor am I an expert in lawyering, but, um, you, there's, there's actually, if you go out there, there's actually a license that you can read. So I guess, I guess, first of all, I'd I'd make sure you're in compliance with that. But my understanding is that if you want to publish with this, um, you can, right? So, I mean, these are just tools to build your application and anytime you build your application, you're always sort of responsible for making sure that it's well tested and, and works the way that you expect it to. Um, I don't know. Oh yeah. So, so a part of that is as uh, well means that you're going to get support, you know, something does go wrong. Um, so that's important. Um, if you were to use it before there was a go live license, then I think, you know, you're completely on your own and you're, you, I think you're violating terms of that license agreement. 
um, which is, you know, just a, a bad, bad idea. So I don't know if there's anything, any other parts of it that you're aware of, Carl or Brandon. Uh, Mostly the fact that they're, they're support. I okay. think that's the biggest that thing. So not only does it mean that you can use it in a live production, but if you run into issues, Microsoft will back you. Yeah. And, you know, there's probably a lot of people that are, you know, they're like, okay, well, this is a realist candidate. I don't want to use this in production. Personally, for most applications, I would feel comfortable doing it because, again, I'm going to test my application and that's really going to tell me how stable the the underlying architecture is anyway. And especially with such good, you know, load testing and profiling tools now, um, I think it's just it's just kind of a non-issue because everybody's building on stuff that they can't really validate, you know, how, how good it is anyway, other than just using it in their, in their own way. So, uh, as, as someone that's been working with the new ASP.net, um, yep. since, cool. uh, beta four really heavily, um, I'll say that one, obviously this, this go live support is great. And I'm just going to say, I know a guy that put a site in the production using <laughs> MVC six. You got a friend? I got a friend. Is his name Brandon? No, 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 of course hey, not. Carl, Carl. Yeah, Carl. Friend of his. It's a good name. Good name. Yeah. Friend. Not all of Brandon's friends are named Brandon. Yeah. That'd be weird. <laughs> um, so just knowing the go live is there, the go live license and that they'll support it. Um, I, I think that actually has uh, some really cool, big ramifications on things like Azure. Uh, because now they'll support it on a platform and running live. That means that technically that the support on Azure and stuff will be a lot better mm. and that the support in things like uh, VSTS, not VSO. Uh, that, spoiler. Yeah, spoiler. Right? <laughs> um, I'm trying to work on saying that. Um, for example, a lot of that build process, uh, Microsoft actually had PowerShell scripts that they had you install uh, right on the build box when it ran. So a lot of like all that custom stuff is going to start falling away because it's just going right. to be supported. Um, and another thing, as far as like people being a little concerned with like release candidates and stuff like that, uh, Jason, your point about testing it with your own code is really important mm -hmm. because in my case, or rather my friend's case, um, they uh, they they built it, ran it, and it was a simple enough web application to where running on beta four actually worked great. There was no major performance issues. Uh, no bugs or really anything to speak of because it was such a lightweight web application. Yeah. For, so for those of you that are, you know, just yoing up a new ASP.NET site and, you know, want to throw out something basic there, you're probably going to be more than fine on the release candidate. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, you're right. So it's it's about sanding off some of those rough edges now. I mean, because I did that. I, I tried it on a Mac because um, that was what was really interesting to me. It was like, okay, I can go on Visual Studio Code on a Mac and I can build an ASP.NET application. I don't really have to do any of that for production use, but you know, I just wanted to try it out. And yeah, it was it was pretty rough around the edges. So having that um, get a little bit easier and more supported is great. So if you want to get this, you can get it at get.asp.net. So that's get with a an E. So get.asp.net, which is uh, yeah. Whenever you go there, it will. Based on your OS, it will just show you the appropriate download, which is pretty cool. Uh, let's see here. Oh, something cool that Scott Hansman demoed was um, something that they're working on. I don't; it's not available yet, but he said that they're they're going to release this. It was basically doing that uh, native compilation to take you know your .NET application and actually compile it into a native binary. 
So he took his application. I think there were some DLLs and, you know, an EXE or whatever. Uh, I guess it was on Linux, so there was no EXE. But he took those files. He did this native compilation and he got a single output, you know, so, something where you you could you could basically give that file, that binary to somebody else and they could install it on their Linux system and they could execute it and they don't have to have, you know, .NET installed or anything like that. It's all, everything that's needed is all built into that one executable. And I thought that that was really cool. No Linux guys on here? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, that was really cool what yeah. it showed, but like you said, that was Linux specific. And it just goes to show how Microsoft isn't caring that you're staying on their platform or yeah. not. Well, you know, actually that statement, I, I wonder if that's true. So, you know, you said it's, it's, it's for Linux, but that that's actually a good point. I, I that probably will work on windows as well. You know, there's well, no reason why you couldn't embed the framework into a, into a, well, windows there already is dot, that's .NET native. Okay. So we already have that okay. today with .NET native. Okay. It's just that this is bringing that kind of .NET native like experience to Linux as well. Okay. Very cool. Um, and one other thing I picked up was uh C sharp scripting. So you can create a CSX file and then execute it with this CSI.exe, no relation to the show, I don't think. Um, so you execute this thing and <laughs> Brandon's shaking his head. You execute this uh, this .NET code and you don't need, uh, uh, you know, you don't need like a, um, you know, all the stuff that you would normally have to do around a regular .NET application. We don't have to declare all of that. It's more more scripting like. So in theory, you could just have a CSX file with one line of code and you could say, you know, console that right line and, and say, hello world. And then you could execute that and it would work, which is really cool. So that's sort of like, um, um, what is it? Script sharp. Yep. Uh, yeah. So, um, now this is all, you know, just native with, uh, with, uh, this comes whenever you install visual studio. I don't know if this will come with uh, .NET as well, but this is pretty cool. One of the things I think was interesting that Jerry Nixon brought out is that this is a technology that was actually internally used inside of Azure, mm -hmm. especially Azure Compute. Yeah, that was but it was it was, was kind of hidden from the develop from developers, and it was yeah. used internally. So this entire feature it was kind of used or was cr developed because Azure was using it. Yeah, and you know that it's already been tested quite a bit, which is which is always good. Uh, okay, so moving on to Visual Studio, lots. Of good stuff here. So Node.js tools 1.1 for Visual Studio. So that's from our uh, from a guest that we had on, Sarah Itani. Um, so she she is awesome. And uh, so we're at 1.1. So there's a blog post, and we'll link to it. Uh, but this thing is just faster, better, stronger. You know all that good stuff. More reliable debugging, um, faster IntelliSense. Just the whole thing is faster overall. Um, so go check out that blog post. I haven't tried one, one yet, but, uh, you know, this thing, even before it was at version one was a really good tool. So if you want to do Node.js development in visual studio, uh, it's actually pretty awesome in here. Yeah. So one thing I see in this blog post that I'm going to bring up just because I don't see it anywhere else, yep. but they also is no max path issues anymore. What? Yeah. How's that work? Oh, it it, it. does it, does it do the whole, it does like the, the, uh, the node modules that reorganizes those. Is that what's going on? I'm I'm not sure of all the details, but that did get brought up a few times. Oh, yeah, right here. So NPM v3 is officially out of beta. And one of the features I'm most excited about is the dependencies are installed maximally flat, so you're less likely to run into max path issues. Yeah. So that's really because they because they're using NPM v3. Uh, but that that solved that that whole horrible, horrible issue. <laughs> um, if you ever use NPM, you'll you'll run into this uh, nesting hell. 
Um, okay. So visual studio 2015 update one RTM will be available on November 30th. So, um, at the time of recording here, so 10 more days, 10 days or less, you'll have, um, the update one for VS 2015. So is this the update that is bringing probably the most anticipated feature to visual studio ever? And by that, I mean, go to implementation. Did you guys hear about that? No, no. Oh man, that is. Oh, is this for interfaces? Yeah, I hadn't heard about this. Yep, it's it's the number one no. reason. Not gonna lie, that I installed no. ReSharper and they're bringing yeah. it to Visual Studio finally. Wow. Oh, that was awesome. I didn't know about that. So, so how does it? If you have more than one implementation, what does it do? Uh, I, I would imagine it does uh, pretty much what it does when you go up instead of down, and it just gives you the list to jump to. Oh, okay. so similar to I, pretty much like what ReSharper does, I think. Okay. I'll, uh, I'll dig up a really link cool. so you can put it in the show notes. That's huge. So if you're, if you're doing, um, you know, IOC type stuff and you, you know, you're doing, um, or like test driven development and you're, you know, you have a, you, you define an interface so that you can, you know, decouple, uh, these classes from each other. And then you have an implementation stored somewhere else, you know, before you go to definition and be like, here's the interface, uh, you know, good luck finding the code, you know, you're just on your own. So putting that in the visual studio is, uh, is huge. Yeah, definitely. There's probably yeah. a whole bunch of really good nuggets in this update. Yeah. And there's also the updated windows SDK as well. So what that means is for those of you who are making universal applications, the update, so you can actually, uh, push your code to your, your phones that are running uh, windows 10. So um, this is what you've been waiting for, Carl. Yes. Well, so we've kind of had this in some of the insider releases, but it's kind of been a pain to match your inside insider, uh, iOS or operating system with your insider SDK and they never really got released on a, on a consistent cadence. So this is definitely a place where they're going to match up. Mm-hmm. And I I've been able to deploy code before, but you get the wrong update and then nothing works. So this is exciting and it's publicly available for everybody. Okay. So yeah, I'm looking at the list here for update one that you kindly pasted in. Um, so you also get a, a REPL. Uh, let's see what else is in here. Profile your CPU while debugging, which is interesting. Uh, let's see here. Features for TypeScript. I love TypeScript. <laughs> um, Subversion support is pretty interesting. I know. I just saw I wasn't even going to read that one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah. No. <laughs> I, I'm sure there's, I, there are lots of good projects out there that are still using Subversion because, you know, it's it can be tough to, tough to switch. Um, but, you know. It's nice being uh, on the on the latest. We've been on, uh, you know, Git has been, it's been like reigning champion now for a while, right? Uh, I actually read earlier the main push for them adding that, I believe, is from a lot of Java projects that are getting ported. Oh, they do a lot of subversion? Yeah. Okay. Carl, I got to interrupt this for just a second, and I want to talk about Infragistics. Yeah, if you comment uh, on Facebook, on Twitter, on our website, you have a chance to win the ultimate license from Infragistics. And this is pretty cool because it covers a lot of stuff. Um, They have controls for Android, iOS, Windows Phone, Windows 8, ASP.NET, MVC, WPF, jQuery, HTML5, just tons of stuff. And they even have stuff for Xamarin Forms. So if you're trying to hit all three major mobile platforms with one, they got controls to help you out there. If you need tabular stuff uh, with their grids, they got really cool controls to help make that look uh, just really sharp charting gauges barcodes it's all pretty simple using their controls and if you just have some uh, simple prototyping needs they have a product called indigo studio too 
lets you get that prototype done so you can show this to the stakeholders and you know sell your ideas yeah what i love about that you can just send them a link and they can actually navigate through the app but uh what like you mentioned earlier all of these controls across all these different platforms this is great i mean most people don't just develop one type of app now so being able to to go and use these controls in every type of app all under one ultimate license is is really big plus if we don't select you uh, each week, you could try again next week. And if you can't wait, they have free demos. So you can try it out for a month, download the demos and try it today. Yeah, check it out at infragistics.com. They're a free trial, so you have nothing to lose. And remember, each week, if we pick your comment on the show, you get the ultimate edition for free, which includes everything. We thank them for their support of the MS Dev Show. Visual Studio emulator for Android. We already have that for Windows. And it's really awesome because... <laughs> Um, people always told me that the visual studio or the, uh, the emulator for Android, like if you get it from Google, they're like, Oh, it's really slow. Well, it's I, not just really that, slow. No, no, that's it's... what I was going to say. Like, I, I'm just like, I'm like, what's the big deal? And I installed it. It is slow. Ten, 10 minutes to just get to where it installs your application. Yeah. Like it is, <laughs> it is unbelievably slow. Like I, Un impossibly slow. Like that's I, why I, nobody uses it. I don't know how you could make that that slow. That's how it's slower than that. <laughs> so, um, so we've already had it for windows. So, you know, basically Microsoft came out with one that's like super, super fast, which is awesome. Uh, but now that is coming over to, um, OS 10 in a future update, which is really, really wild because, um, what is her name? Sarah silver. Is, is she the one that demoed this? I think that's her name. She, um, we'll have to have her on the show sometime. She, she used Visual Studio on a PC to create a Cordova HTML app that was targeting an Android emulator that was running on OS 10. <laughs> so think of all the technologies that are involved there. It's like a C++ app running on the Windows platform, building HTML, JavaScript, CSS, targeting Android, which is based on Linux, and it's also using Java. Um, to run an emulator built by Microsoft that's running on OS 10, which is based on Unix. If you're doing that, holy cow. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with you if you're trying to like chain together that particular list of technologies, but the idea is if you're not using that many complicated technologies, well, it's it's all supported. I, I still remember like trying to get remote debugging working on a server was a pain, and now we're able to do <laughs> yeah. this like in a blink of an eye. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and there's things like, uh, I, I think it's in the, is it in windows 10 Carl where you are not windows 10, but the, the server version where you can do the nested hyper V. I know we've talked about that. Yeah. Where, so that's basically in the latest update. So, you know, now we have like hyper V and your hyper V and your hyper V and it's like hyper Vception. Um, it, it's just, it's crazy. Like finally there's, there's just less and less limits on, on how crazy you can be with, uh, you know, combining these things. Uh, let's see here. Uh, visual studio marketplace. So we, we sort of talked about that cause there's the visual studio code marketplace. And really, if you go to the visual studio marketplace, this confused me at first, you know, cause that's a lot of things do. Um, whenever you go there, um, there's actually some tabs at the bottom. I can't find it now, but you can pick what platform you're using. So if you go to the, let's see here, marketplace.visualstudio.com, there's some tabs. There's a tab for visual studio, uh, Visual Studio Team Services, spoiler again, Visual Studio Code, and then v Visual Studio Subscriptions. Um, so there's, you know, you can sort of poke around there. So realize that there's tabs there and sort of explore all the different things there. 
Okay, so finally we can do the we can do the reveal here. So Visual Studio <laughs> Online, which was not Visual Studio Online, <laughs> is now known as Visual Studio Team Services. This just makes so much sense. It's it's one of those things that should have been obvious from the get go. Yeah, I always thought Visual Studio Online was it was just a terrible name. It was it was confusing. Yeah, and 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 not only that, but there's the there's like the Monaco editor, which is like which is of, Visual Studio. It's like uh, Visual Studio Online. Online. And it always had kind of a strange relationship to this as well. Um so this is good. You know, Visual Studio Team Services, I think, is still a mouthful. Um uh, it's more of a mouthful than, you know, VSO or Visual Studio Online, but that's all right. I think it's it's at least much more descriptive of what it's talking about. Oh, what else we got? Oh, Team Foundation Server 2015 Update 1. So for any of you that aren't yet on the cloud version, essentially, of VSTS, um, there is an update coming out on November 30th. So that is pretty cool. So even if you're still 100% on-prem, which a lot of companies are, you know, they just they don't like their code leaving their four walls, um, then this, this, uh, this option is still available and being updated. And it's the same code base. So, you know, you're not really... Um, while you don't get like weekly updates, you're still getting uh, big bang updates. Um, a hockey app extension is available in the Visual Studio Marketplace with a free tier. Um, have I, either of you used hockey app at all? I have it in one of my apps. Okay. And so how, how does it work from, because I use it from the perspective of getting apps. I don't know how it works from the developer perspective. Um, so it's. Are you using it, it to like actually distribute an app or not? I, so I, I did. So I should I should actually correct myself. When when I was going through an initial version of one of my apps that I actually had a few people volunteer that they wanted to use. Yeah. Um th- this was it was a little bit awkward to use. Um I know Apple does a better job. What's what's the technology that they use? Oh, I can't remember the name. Test flight? Is that what it is? Yeah, I yeah. think it's test flight. So test flight is way easier to use than this, but this is uh, looks like it's come a, a ways since I've used it. So okay. I'm actually kind of curious to see if they've kind of matched what uh, Apple's doing with test flight. Okay, because I know from a from a user perspective, like I I have a whole bunch of because we ha- you know uh, this was obviously it was a Microsoft acquisition. And it gets used extensively internally. So like all of the regular Microsoft apps, I can get them ahead of time. You know, there's, there's like a, you know, for all the, the preview versions. And I just, whenever I open up the app, it'll say, Hey, an update is available. You push update, you go back to the home screen, it's automatically updating. And then I can also go out there and grab apps and things like that. So it's a pretty good experience for, you know, allowing people to, you know, releasing this to a small group of people. Yeah. the, The biggest thing at the time was I could just pass out a URL and people could install from there. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I haven't looked at that uh, test flight at all. I will have to try that out as well. So if uh, y- if anybody was uh, accepted for the Cortana uh, preview or alpha or beta or whatever they're on, mm-hmm. uh, Microsoft is using test flight to push that out. Oh, okay. So... Yeah, I think I think I got that through Hockey App. <laughs> but again, that's like the internal one, so that's kind of interesting. Um, let's see here. Azure SDK 2.8, um, which has, let me go to the link here, because it has support. Uh, it's got a whole bunch of stuff. Azure Resource Manager, so support for authoring um, deployment templates, which is really cool. So better IntelliSense, 
Um, send Azure Diagnostics data to Application Insights. So we've had an episode on Application Insights. You know, it's a way to, it's a place in Azure to get all your telemetry data. So this is pretty cool that they're making that easier. Support for Docker. I, I thought you could use Minecraft for Docker. Yeah, so you wouldn't want, this is, if you want this for <laughs> Docker, like don't even bother updating. <laughs> uh, use Minecraft. Um, updates to the mobile apps template. So what is this, Carl? Do you have any idea? Uh, it mentioned starter. something uh, about uh, Owen yeah. in there. So I, I'm not I'm not exactly sure what this is. But well, it's just the template. So I'm, yeah, so it's just the, the default code. So file new project. Yeah, file new project. Yep. Um, let's see here. Microsoft Azure Storage Explorer Preview. Um, I don't know what any of this is. Okay, Azure Service Fabric Tools. I actually haven't looked at these tools. Uh, we're going to talk about Service Fabric here coming up. But the... Um, uh, yeah, so we'll just we'll talk about Service Fabric here in a little bit. Um, Azure HD Insight tools for Visual Studio, and then Azure Data Factory tools. Azure Data Factory is pretty cool. Um, yeah, so I'll include a link to all of that in the show notes. Uh, what do we got next here? Public preview of Visual Studio GDB debugger extension. So debugger is what? GNU debugger? Is that what it stands for? I don't remember. It must be. So it's uh, it's basically... Um, debugging for Linux applications. So you can, you know, debug for like a Raspberry Pi. So you can step through, step through the code in Visual Studio while you're running that code on you know, a Linux server, which is pretty cool. So, you know, to, it, your, to your point again, Brandon, about, you know, this type of thing being difficult, like there's just less and less barriers now. So it's also helps with uh, configuring SSH. So you can create keys on Windows and then just putty right into oh, Linux. Well, that's huge. Yeah. Yeah, that's really nice. Cause that's always kind of a hassle and you can do that from windows, which I don't think was really easily possible before. Yeah. Okay. Anything that makes that easier. Um, what do we got here? Graph.microsoft.io. Yeah. So this one's not visual studio related. This is sort of in the miscellaneous category. Yeah, this is, this is neat. So we've been, we've been talking about this internally for a long time. Cause this is, this is pretty exciting. Um, there used to be sort of a, you know, d- different teams start to, to build out different APIs. And this is, you know, really just uh, a single point where you can go and access all of these different resources. So if you want to, uh, you know, access uh, user, you know, your user information, the groups that you're part of, the files that you have stored in uh, like um, in SharePoint, uh, mail items, contacts, tasks, and it just makes it really easy to access these things. So I've had a couple ideas for, for building applications around this. Cause you know, I've built, um, outlook add-ins before, like, um, in my GitHub page, you'll find that I wrote, I, I wrote a, uh, small application. It's an outlook add-in that basically synchronizes your task list with fog bugs. And I don't use fog bugs anymore, but you could like synchronize your task list with, um, uh, like Trello cards, for example. I mean, there's a whole bunch of cool ideas there for task management or mail you know, notifiers or things like that. And it was always kind of a pain because again, building an Outlook add-in is just a huge, huge pain. And you have to have Outlook running, obviously. So this just being able to get hit against that API and make it really easy. I mean, once, especially once you get past the, the authentication, um, you get in there and then you can just start to manipulate these objects and build really cool stuff on top of this. So I want to see, you know, people go out there and just build some really, really cool applications on top of this. So Brandon, you have, uh, let's say seven days. Does that sound fair, Carl? Yeah. <laughs> so Brandon, you have seven days to go out there and build a, a really cool application for us. All right. Yeah. We'll, see what we'll, we'll check back in on the next episode. <laughs> okay. You know, uh, so I, I was actually digging into this one. This caught my eye a lot too. Yeah. Um, 
because I work with uh, a lot of clients that they're building, you know, web applications or whatnot, but a lot of times they need to pull data out of a lot of these services. Mm-hmm. And in the past, um, accessing it, you had to basically build your own mini wrapper for all of those. Yeah. So just having this one API you can hit against. Um, and what's what's currently supported in their, their official launch uh, is a subset. There, there are other preview APIs they have as well. So there's already more stuff coming. Uh, is great. Like I, I have a client where um, they're trying to integrate Office 365 with um, an admin portal, more or less, so that they can have users log in, so single sign-on experience, and at the same time be able to kind of view stuff that's in their profiles while in this custom-built admin application. Okay. So now that this came out, like all this work oh, yeah. I did over the last couple of months is worthless. <laughs> I can throw it away and just use this instead. Um, and actually, I love that. And, and one other nice note about this is, is they do have an API explorer. Yep. So you can just go to graphexplorer2.azurewebsites.net and actually just try it out by signing in with your uh, live ID. Yeah. Does it work with a live ID? Or yeah, organizational account. I think it has yeah. to be an organizational account, so a work or school account. Yes. Yep. Yep. Sorry. That is <laughs> so like an active Azure Active Directory account or something that you use at work. Uh, but this is this is really cool. I, I am interested in... You know, writing like I said something because there's I think their tasks are part of this, right? Yeah, it shows the the tasks in there. I'm interested in doing that again, where you you know I I always have a I have a list in Trello of 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 tasks to work on for the current day. I'd love to pull that into Outlook because I you know I'm always in Outlook because my emails there, my calendar, everything is all in one spot. So having that list be like right in my face, um, I would be interested in. And this makes it so easy. I think people are going to build really cool stuff with this. And I would say that. Microsoft in general is getting a much, much better at, at building these APIs in, in such a way that they're, they're easy. Um, they have the, the functionality you're looking for and they're, they're just super powerful. Uh, okay. Let's talk about Azure. I've heard of this. Um, <laughs> 28. So they, they announced, and this was based on, you know, a whole bunch of recent announcements. Cause we know that there's some, you know, new data centers that have gone up new, I should say new regions. So now we're up to 28 Azure regions. So that's more regions than AWS and Google Cloud combined. So to clarify what a region is, so a region is basically a location on the planet, right? So you can cluster a whole bunch of data centers like all in the same area, but that's not a new region. And regions are important because you want regions to be close to you. So having more regions is generally um, you know, a way better thing because you're going to get a lot better performance if there's a, a region that's sitting right next to you. So for, for us here in Wisconsin and in uh, Michigan, Brandon, um, you know, Chicago is typically our closest region. So we're pretty darn close to that. I mean, we get awesome ping times to the local Azure data center. Uh, so that was cool. Um, Service Fabric Public Preview. So I've played around with Service Fabric quite a bit, um, and I've worked with some companies that that you know build things on top of this. Um, this finally has uh, a, a nicer UI to start using this. So this is for um, you know this is this is basically you know I guess we've had an episode on it. So maybe if you want an explanation, you should just go listen to the episode. But it it sort of is considered a microservices framework, but it's more than that. I think it's you know a distributed cloud framework you know, or distributed computing framework and you know, all the lessons that, that, that Microsoft has, has learned over time in building distributed, reliable systems is, is sort of baked into this framework. 
And now, um, you know, through the power of being able to provision machines in Azure, there are, you know, there's some very helpful things out there for cluster management built in Azure. Um, some really cool UI built on that. I've, I've seen this thing go from just being power or power, um, PowerShell managed to having kind of a windows UI to having a really nice web-based front end. And this thing, it's really, um, it's really come a long way. So we'll have a link to that in the show notes. If you think that you're at all interested in that, definitely go check it out because this is, you can build super high scale, powerful applications on this. And Scott Hanselman gave this demo where he was running, I think it was about 40 servers that were all ingesting data from IOT devices. And then he actually did a rolling upgrade of the system. Um, so the nodes went through and upgraded one by one. And that was really cool. Uh, either of you guys played with that yet? Probably not. No. Nope. Okay. I've played with the next item though. Okay. Uh, did I put the, okay. <laughs> the next one, Azure Storage Explorer? Yes. Okay. Tell us about it. So what this is, is it lets you just, uh, it's a tool for both Windows and Mac that lets you check out all the w- different ways that you have storage. So blob storage, page storage, uh, tables, queues, all that kind of stuff. You can actually look at from this tool, manage, add, rename, delete, all sorts of cool stuff. And I know in the past, uh, when Azure was a lot younger, there's third-party tools that you needed to do this. And oftentimes you had to pay for them for the useful features. So this is really cool that not only is it for Microsoft and free, but if you're uh, using a Mac for development, you don't have to leave the Mac side if you don't want to. And yeah. I think that's one of the. I think that's just one of the big key takeaways from from Connect is Microsoft is realizing, hey, you want to use a Mac? We don't have a problem with that. We're going to give you the tools for you to stay productive. Yeah, because Mac. I mean, there's if you look at the number of Macs out there, I think it's it's really low. I think there are more Windows ten machines on the planet than there are Macs, which is just kind of mind boggling, showing you how dominant PC you know, still, it still is even to this day. But if you look, I, I don't know what the numbers are for developers, but you know, Macs are pretty popular in the development world. So, well, it, just by looking at what I see in user groups and conferences, yeah. I mean, there's a good chunk with Macs compared to what there was even like three, four years ago. Yeah. Yeah. It was uh, at, at that conference. There was uh, I was in a conference room and I want to say there was eight or nine people in there and everybody had the exact same Mac, which was pretty funny. Um, so yeah, having developer tools for Azure, I mean, because Azure doesn't care what type of um, you know computer you're running. So having these tools available cross-platform is just it's it's not it's not optional. It's just necessary. Um, okay, Azure Dev Test Labs is in public preview. What is this? It says fast and easy <laughs> slash lean dev and test. Let's just read the page <laughs> quickly provision development and test environments, minimize waste with quotas and policies, set automated shutdowns to minimize. Actually, that's pretty cool. Set automated <laughs> shutdowns to minimize costs, <laughs> create a VM in a few clicks with reusable templates, get going quickly with VMs from pre-created pools, build windows and Linux environments. This is I, wow. So I, honestly, I hadn't even looked at this. It looks really cool. I, I only glanced at this uh, earlier today just because there were so many cool things that came out. I have like a small suite of PowerShell scripts and um, Azure Resource Manager templates that are now mostly useless because of yeah. this new service, which is great because it was always a pain to manage that. So it's really cool to see they, they pretty much put a wrapper around everything they're already offering and made it you know point and click easy. Yeah, because I kept thinking about just writing a script that, you know, shut down machines at the end of the day because, you know, you just always forget that, right? Yeah, and that's what I have. I have it running, shutting all my VMs down. That way I don't, you know, have a $20,000 bill every month. 
Uh, yep. And now they do it for me. So I'm going to have to really look into this. Yep. And this service only costs 19000 a month. No, so I, that's a thousand dollar savings. I save no, a bunch. It's, it's actually funny because I click on pricing details. Okay. So you pick your region. I'm just kind of making fun of their page now. I apologize to the developers of this. But it says Azure Dev Test Labs is a free service. However, you'll be charged for other Azure resources. So I guess they needed a place to say that. So it's basically, there's no charge for this service. Um, you know, it's really just doing that uh, orchestration for you. Um, well, you know, just counting on using the other services. Did you check all the regions though? They might charge in one. Yeah. I know. <laughs> West Someone US, that, sorry. Yeah. It's not free. No, it's free everywhere. That's pretty cool. I have four more regions to check. Three more, <laughs> two more. Nope. It's free everywhere. Excellent. Wait. Unless, unless Japan West. Nope. Free. Okay. So you're good. Even if you're in Japan West. No, this is uh, this is cool. I'm going to, I'm going to definitely take a look at this. I, I don't know how I missed this one, but this looks really cool. So, I mean, even if you just use it to shut down your machines at the, at the end of each day, this could be um, super useful. I was going to look to see if it's uh yeah. So there's, there's a nice user interface for this too. It's not like you have to jump into PowerShell. You can just do this right from the UI. Um, what else do we have for Azure? Azure Diagnostics now offered as part of Visual Studio Application Insights. So that is really cool. So basically just unifying everything into Application Insights, which is really awesome. And Scott Hansman gave a, he gave a good demo of this because this is one thing that people don't always realize whenever you start talking about Application Insights. So first of all, you can, if you have a web application, Brandon, um, you can you know, include a script kind of like you do with Google analytics. You can put that in your page and you can start getting analytics right off of that. But what's nice about this in your .NET application, you also include, uh, the reference in there as well. And Scott, you know, demonstrated this by, you know, going to the web page after he configured all that. And what's nice about it is he was showing a slowdown on the page, which was indicated on the front end, but then he was actually able to go into the back end and see that that was caused by an exception. So it's really that end to end tracing from the back end to, you know, and this could, this can go down to the, to the bottom layer, bat through the back end, and then also through the front end. And then heck, maybe you even have a client that's hitting against that, that front end. And you're also tracking that thing, you know, whatever that might be. So again, end-to-end tracking of, of what's going on there and being able to, to diagnose what's going on. It's key as a developer. So, so having all of this, uh, you know, consolidated is really cool. So I have a, I have a compliment to you and your guests. Mm-hmm. Um, so after, after your Application Insights episode, yep. uh, which was... That what, was uh, six Darshan, ago? I think. Yes, yep. Darshan Desai, yep. Um, I, I did some really... Big digging into could I migrate to that away from specifically New Relic is what I always fall back ah, on. Yes. And I will say that because of that episode, I've more or less sworn off anything but application insights. Yeah. And so so far, I've had a lot of success with it. I really oh, like awesome. using it. Yeah. And I mean, it's if you even look at like how far it's come since we had that episode too, I mean, they're they're moving at an awesome pace, just integrating more things that will automatically get instrumented. And then uh, just more platforms you can use it on as well. I mean, whenever he was on, he's like, oh, just around the corner, we have support for this and this and this and this. Yeah, I believe uh, now they even have uh, support for iOS and Android applications. Yeah. I've been really happy with their, uh, the MVC6 uh, NuGet packages stayed really up to date. And they're constantly adding new features there. So Mm -hmm. back to the ASP.NET 5 announcements, uh, you get application insights with that. Uh, Releases are in parity. Yep. So, and to be clear to everybody listening, like you don't have to use any other Azure features. I mean, you could just use, um, application insights just by itself. If you wanted to, you could just use it for your iOS app. Um, 
It's just, you know, it's just receiving that telemetry data and making sense of it and uh, making it so you can uh, wade through all that data and figure out what's important. Uh, okay, XAML. What's going on in the world of XAML, Carl? So uh, a couple of key things. So if you used uh, behaviors back in the WPF days, there is a new UWP behaviors that have been open sourced. So if you're used to having that there, you can now bring in the one that was written just for UWP applications. And if you see something you'd like in there or something you need to fix, it's out on GitHub. Okay, cool. So that's pretty cool. And the second thing I think was just more of a of an insight that I saw as I was watching this is a lot of people complain that WPF is dead. And I think Microsoft made it very clear that not only are they uh, still working on it, by adding new features, but they showed at least two WPF applications in their demos. Okay. So, yeah. So, I mean, th- there are reasons to use UWP and Microsoft is really pushing those, but those don't solve everybody's problems. And you might be one of those people that have a problem that's best solved by WPF a- applications. Right. And I, I've heard, you know, I've heard from, from different people and companies, uh, you know, that have, have, you know, just a huge investment in WPF. Um, you know, come to people at Microsoft and say, well, I have this huge investment and I can't just switch this over to a windows app, you know, at the, the flick of a wrist or whatever. And I've heard the response most times is just, okay, we'll just keep it for WPF, you know, like, yeah, and, that's and okay. That, it's not, it's not, you know, and I've heard it's I not thought, a cop out. It's a valid thing to do. Yeah. WPF is still good. Like that's not, it's not getting any worse. And, um, you know, it's funny too, because one of the comments I saw, I don't remember where I saw it. It was, they were talking about WPF and the comment was like, oh, you're still using this 10 year old technology to build your applications. Like, man, since, since when is like, you know, like proven track record, <laughs> a, a downside, like, I think that's okay that it's 10 years old. Like, th- but it's that, not that's shiny. Fun. Yeah. It's not shiny. It's not shiny enough. You can make it shiny though. I mean, the, the shininess is just on the surface. That's I'll leave you with that. <laughs> Wait, not on the surface though, like the actual device. I'm talking, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Okay, we've jumped the shark. Uh, what do we got for the app of the week, Carl? So the app of the week is a Windows Phone 8 client for uh, Pocket. It's called Poc8, P-O-C-K-8. And uh, if you use the Pocket service, so that's where if you see like a website article or whatever, and you want to read it later, whatever, you can you you can mark it uh, via some sort of browser extension or within the application itself, and then when you go to read it later, you open up this this client and it'll download just the content, so you don't get the ads, the menus, navigation, or whatever. Um, but one of the things that have sucked is there hasn't been uh, an official client for Windows Phone, so some people went out and wrote a third party client, and this is exactly what that is. So. Um, they have a free version. They have some in-app upgrades to unlock some extra features. If you're into that service, this is a this is a great client. Okay, you heard it here first. Well, maybe not first. Uh, okay, so no other tips this week, Carl. No, nope. <laughs> we we gave all the tips from Connect. Yeah, that's yep. true. Yeah, is there anything else we wanted to mention from Connect? I mean, were you guys? Uh, I mean, were you pretty pumped when you were uh, watching it? Uh, you know, one of the things I think is really interesting is uh, the three of us each kind of have different aspects that we embrace a little bit more. Right. I mean, Brandon's web, you're more Azure, I'm more client. And, you know, for me, you know, I was still drawn into the VS Code announcements. I thought that was huge. Yep. There was a lot of client stuff that was kind of sprinkled throughout. So this, this wasn't a huge announcement for me personally. 
but I was still drawn in by all the different, you know, cool things that were announced. Yeah. Yeah. And this was just a good event too, where, you know, at events like build and ignite, like it, you know, every it's, people expect those to be like huge press events. So it's got to be like, Oh yeah, we've totally revolutionized the way that you type on your keyboard or whatever. Um, and, and, and it, it drowns out some of the things that, you know, are interesting to us as developers. Sometimes I think, uh, the last build was actually, you know, really good for developers, but this, um, this event here I think is great because it's, it's super geeky. It's super developer focused. And this is the kind of stuff that, that we like to see. And it's a whole bunch of little things that just add up to, you know, making our lives easier. Well, I, I also looked at this too, as this is an event that, I mean, Microsoft has so much going on. I mean, build has a ton of announcements in the spring, Yeah, but they just can't wait till the next spring. Yeah. So, I mean, they have a ton of different events to constantly be, you know, sprinkling out, you know, what's the latest and greatest that they're doing. Yeah. And this is, this is a, a great addition that they've had the last couple of years. Actually, that is, so I have kind of another interesting observation, um, especially around like Visual Studio Code. And I would say um, Visual Studio Team Services, um, you know, those are really agile products, right? So, so Visual Studio Code updates every month. Uh, Visual Studio Team Services, I think, updates every week, maybe every two weeks. It's every two. Yeah. So what's interesting, too, is is like these things part of this is just saying like all the cool stuff that's happened, you know, that like you've already gotten that you might not even realize that you got. Um, cause you know, there, it's not like they're holding back a whole, a big group of features to just have like a big bang release. So you just, you know, your life life just generally gets better without you even knowing it. <laughs> that's, that's a fantastic point. Um, yeah. I, I follow like the now VSTS blog and a lot of the stuff they announced. And if you read through the announcements closely enough, they say this feature we introduced back in June or July and they've been there and they've just been constantly adding all this functionality. Uh, I mean, they did add a lot of really cool stuff and into the, you know, this week's announcement, but if you're keeping up with it, they're just, they're busy. They're doing a lot of awesome stuff. So another example that that Azure storage Explorer that's been out for six months, something like that. It's been out. It's been out a long time. I installed that a long time ago. Oh, wow. Um, but it's just a matter of, you know, people didn't know it existed. So we got, you know, you got to get the word out. Um, but at the same time, like it's had, it's had some time to, you know, start improve and get the bugs worked out before, you know, like millions of people go and start using it. Um, okay. Um, Brandon. Hi. You got to be kidding me. Um, that's what we're going to play now. Oh, <laughs> Pick man. a number between one and four. I forgot about this. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> he's like, oh, I wouldn't have come on the show if I knew about this. Uh, uh, three. <laughs> do you listen to the show, Brandon? No. <laughs> no, I do. Um, so, uh, so I got to say, uh-huh. you, uh, you guys put out a lot of content and it's yeah. great. Um, I'm behind. Not going to lie. Uh-huh. Okay. So. Okay. So that's what you're going with. Why does everybody pick three? Yeah. Everybody picks three. All right, I'll change it. <laughs> no. So uh, three and a half. So, so what's funny. And I, you know, I'm going to sound like a broken record for the, for our loyal listeners that actually keep up. Sorry. Um, <laughs> no, I, I started say asking some of them, ask, uh, I pick a number between zero and five and then they won't pick three. So it works. Okay. So here's number three. Hmm. Would you rather laugh when you should cry and cry when you should laugh? Oh, that, that could be very amusing or never be able to do either one. So like you're at a funeral and all you would do is laugh and then 
<laughs> if you're listening to our show, all you would do is cry. <laughs> Some people do, I think. <laughs> yeah. Man, that's that's a or, really or like, I don't know. I guess our show can be used for both examples. <laughs> I, I guess I guess do neither. I, I guess I could just be stoic all the time, just yeah. straight faced. Yeah, just be I freaky. guess I guess the latter. Yeah, like I could see you just like not crying, but like, you, you know, somebody says something super, super funny and there's like, there's like a dozen people and 11 of them laugh and you just stand there just stone cold. <laughs> well, do you not get it, Brandon? You're like, no, I get it. It was hilarious. <laughs> what are you going to say, Carl? Uh, especially when you think about it, I, I would also imagine this being like the more you would cry would be the more you would laugh. So if something was just like oh, laugh geez. out loud funny, you would just be like, <laughs> everyone you know has died, and you just you just <laughs> you're like on the floor, but dusting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh wow, that's, uh, that's depressing. Uh, Carl, pick a number two and one of four. I'll take four. Okay. <laughs> Would you rather eat dog food for one meal per day, assuming you don't already do that, or eat regular food that has been chewed on by dogs for one meal per day? Uh, can I skip the meal? <laughs> <laughs> no, because it says that you are, uh, it says eat, you're eating it. You're not, it's not, so, like, it's not like you're being supplied with that so food. I, I would have to choose the food that's been chewed by a dog. In, under the assumption that dogs have cleaner mouths, you know, you always hear that old wife. So I don't know if that's true. It's not. But I, I, I've, I've heard yeah, they the kind of nasty Carl. things. I've heard some of the nasty things that go on <laughs> in in dog food manufacturing facilities, and I don't know. Yeah, well, probably in like food facilities as well. <laughs> okay, that's fine. I I can't make you pick. No, a I usually pick opposite what you would, anyways. Yeah. So what if works. it was like? Um, what if it was like really high end dog food, you know, like in a can and it had like those fancy commercials with like, it's like, in a crystal goblet. Well, yeah. A crystal goblet. <laughs> and the dog only has like clean white fur and only it's just a show dog. So like, like Brandon's dog. Yeah. Like, would you, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like don't, don't pet my dog. Your hands might be dirty. You got to wash your hands first. Use some Purell and then you can touch his dog. I don't know. Okay. Um, anything else? So Brandon, where can we find you on the interwebs? Everywhere. I just <laughs> propagate. You just you just type Brandon into Twitter three times Bam. and he appears. No, uh, as always, uh, was the third or fourth time on the show. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Brandon Martinez and of course BrandonMartinez.com. And then everything else is connected to those. Uh, my window just can you guys still hear me? Yes. Yeah, I can still hear you. I don't know where my window went. Oh, I get disconnected from the machine. Okay. It doesn't matter. Uh, where can people find you, Carl? At WPDevGuy.com or on Twitter at Carl Schweitzer. And you can find me at YTechie.com or on Twitter at Twitter.com slash YTechie. So, Brandon, go away. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> we love you, Brandon. Thank uh, you so much for coming on. As it was just like uh, two hours ago and I said, hey, Brandon, you want to come on and talk about this stuff? You know, um, and you graciously accepted. So we really appreciate you coming on here to talk to us. Yeah, I always love being on. Be sure to subscribe by searching for MS Dev Show in your favorite podcasting app. Leave us a review at iTunes, Stitcher, Player FM, or your podcast aggregator of choice. Visit us at msdevshow.com where you can leave comments, check out our links, show notes, and more. Visit us on Facebook at facebook.com slash msdevshow. You can send us your comments and feedback directly to feedback at msdevshow.com. 